Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes. When a civilian enters any branch of the military, they go through a period of basic military training that's designed to change the way they think and act to turn them into a soldier, sailor, marine, airman, or coast guardsman. This is seen as an important time in the individual's life, critical for the proper transition from being someone not in the military to part of one of the greatest fighting forces on the planet. After a period of time in the military, however, there's little done in any branch of the service to help that service member transition their mindset to life as a veteran. As we often say here in the Change Your POV podcast network, after one leaves the military, they're never going to be a civilian again. And they're no longer a service member. They're this entirely different third thing, a veteran, with all the experiences, knowledge, strengths, and challenges that go along with that word. One of the most overlooked aspects of transition is a service member's mental health and wellness. If the veteran has their heart, mind, body, and spirit in the right place, and has a support network of family and friends to rely upon, then they're most likely going to have a successful transition. Those things are not in place. Things can get challenging. I'm your host, Dwayne France, and I'm going to take you through a veteran mental health boot camp to give you some advanced training for your brain. These episodes will cover the many different aspects of veteran mental health that I, as both a combat veteran and a clinical mental health counselor, see, experience, and support veterans with daily. I'm going to be joined by both veterans and mental health professionals talking about what you need to know about the stigma against seeking support, the different areas we need to understand, and provide some resources for when you think you might need them. Get up in the morning and out of the rack, because this is some information that could very well save your life. Welcome to Veteran Mental Health Boot Camp. Hey everybody, welcome to the Headspace and Timing Podcast. My name is Dwayne France, uh, and I am a combat veteran and clinical mental health counselor currently practicing in the state of Colorado. I'm also the creator of uh, Headspace and Timing, uh, the blog, the podcast. There's an ebook, uh, but all of the information that we have here is designed to change the way that we, uh, as veterans, as community, uh, think and talk about veteran mental health. 
This is the beginning of a series uh, on uh, veteran mental health, looking at uh, things beyond PTSD and TBI. And when we talk about veteran mental health, uh, many people think about post-traumatic stress disorder as, as sort of one of the primary challenges that veterans face. And of course, now with the current wars going on, traumatic brain injury is, is really a, a focus as well. Uh, but uh, I'd like to talk both today and then uh, at length um, over the next couple of weeks uh, about some different things um, regarding veteran mental health um, and, and going beyond just PTSD and TBI. So the Change Your POV podcast network with the uh, hosts, uh, Eddie and Bennett, um, have allowed me to sort of uh, take over the airwaves uh, for a series of podcasts. They're going to look at uh, a, a bunch of different aspects of veteran mental health. Before we get into that, though, uh, I'd like to tell a story because uh, stories are important, and uh, and this will kind of illustrate the point. So this is a story about Skip. Skip was a soldier. Skip joined the army, uh, and he went to combat. And uh, when he came back, he wasn't the same. See, Skip grew up in Detroit. He was the oldest of two boys, and he was raised by a single mother. Uh, he joined the army and went off to war, uh, as I said. But when he came back, his friends saw that he had changed. Um, you know, they could tell that something was different. Uh, of course, uh, they didn't know about the nightmares, and the nightmares were gripping Skip pretty hard. Uh, they did see pictures that he brought back, though, uh, pictures of the enemy dead, um, and, uh, and, and he kind of uh, stayed in his house and looked at him and showed them. Uh, Skip had a hard time getting a job. Uh, he was previously outgoing and friendly, uh, but he didn't have much success in job interviews. Uh, he only tried for, you know, low-level jobs with minimal qualifications uh, and still struggled to get a job. Uh, when uh, potential employers would ask him a question, he would mumble and, and kind of avoid, and he wouldn't get the job. Uh, he did eventually get a job um, about uh, six months uh, after he came back from combat, uh, directly because of his military service, uh, but the uh, the the good job um, or the goodness of the job it didn't last very long. He started missing important meetings, uh, and he started spending money that he didn't have. Skip tried treatment uh, several times, but it didn't seem to do any good. Every time he went in, he would leave before completing treatment. Uh, and he seemed uh, worse off than he was before. Skip finally left treatment for good. His car was repossessed. He took out a loan that he couldn't repay and uh, stayed at home or slept and watched TV. He didn't pay his mortgage uh, in over nine months. His wife was in the hospital for a surgical procedure that they couldn't afford. And uh, the house that they were living in was about to be foreclosed. One night, Skip had some friends pick him up and take him downtown. He was going to get some money from someone who owed him something. Skip went into a bar, had a couple of drinks, walked across the street to a convenience store. He walked up to the register to buy a pack of cigarettes. When the cashier opened the register, Skip pulled out a 22 caliber pistol and demanded the cash. There was a struggle for Skip's gun, and Skip pulled the trigger twice, wounding the cashier. And the cashier, who was the owner of the convenience store, reached down for his own gun and opened fire on Skip. The cashier warned Skip, even after shooting him twice, wounding him, that he was going to kill him. But Skip didn't move, didn't stop pointing his gun, so the owner continued to fire. Skip was taken to the hospital and pronounced dead. 
His funeral was held with full military honors at Arlington National Cemetery, and it currently rests in Lot 471, Section 31. Now, uh, many people who are listening to this uh, may think that this sounds familiar. Um, Many people that I've told this story to, that I've spoken to, said that this sounds like a uh, pretty familiar story. But it may not be familiar for the reasons that you think. You see, this is a story of Specialist 5 Dwight Skip Johnson awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor for actions near Doc To, Vietnam on January 14, 1968. Even the circumstances of the firefight that resulted in Dwight's Medal of Honor are familiar with many veterans today. He had spent a year as a member of a tank crew that he grew to love as a family. Uh, he was switched to another tank crew the day before the Battle of Dak To. His old tank took a direct hit in the opening moments of the battle, and Dwight became overwhelmed with rage and grief. You see, Dwight's story played out a full decade before post-traumatic stress disorder was recognized as a psychological condition, and similar stories are playing out today, three decades after PTSD became something that veterans could be diagnosed with. There's been progress, and relief is possible, even though PTSD does not fully explain all of Dwight's challenges. One of the most poignant statements made about Skip's life came from his mother, which was chosen to end an article that was written about him in 1971 and chosen to end his profile in the book that I got this story from uh, about Medal of Honor winners. And the statement came from his mother. Sometimes I wonder if Skip tired of this life and needed someone else to pull the trigger. You know, we listen to that story uh, and the similarities to what happens today, veterans coming back from uh, combat, veterans uh, unable to get a job, uh, veterans uh, engaging in behaviors that uh, aren't beneficial, uh, that aren't supportive to themselves and and even to the community. And and this has been going on for a very, very long time. Uh, I said, though, that PTSD doesn't fully explain all of Dwight's challenges. You can find Dwight's story. Um, You don't have to look very hard uh, on the internet. The original 1971 article uh, can be found about him. Uh, There's been several plays, uh, several TV uh, series about him, um, even as uh, recently as uh, the year 2000. And so the the story about Skip, I I say to say this, in that things are happening now. Um, that happened back then. Um, And we can go farther and farther back uh, that this has been an issue. Uh, But many people think, well, of course, um, Dwight had PTSD. Um, You know, this was uh, well before traumatic brain injury was uh, was diagnosed or or was observed to be a condition. Uh, But uh, eyewitness accounts from Dwight's Medal of Honor actions uh, and the actions in battle um, essentially he, he was in a berserker rage. He wasn't aware. Dwight himself says he doesn't recall all of the details and he just kind of went into a, a haze. Uh, but then the struggles continued after he got back. Um, there's, there's not much discussion about, uh, of whether or not there were substance use disorders, but there were definitely, um, things that he felt guilty about, um, and some different aspects of some things that I'm going to be talking about here in a minute. And so as you go through this series, I'd just like for you to consider uh, the story of uh, Dwight Johnson and, uh, and maybe how those, uh, those stories or similar stories can be playing out today. Work. 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 
So as I mentioned before, uh, I am a veteran myself. I retired from the United States Army after 22 years in 2014. Uh, and after retirement, I obtained my clinical mental health counseling degree and I'm currently licensed as a licensed professional counselor uh, in Colorado. And I work exclusively with uh, veterans, uh, some veteran spouses. Um, since January of 2014, I have worked with uh, veterans in the criminal justice system. Uh, and, uh, and I manage a, a program uh, that allows us to provide counseling for veterans uh, at no cost um, from what we call culturally competent mental health professionals. Uh, I also write and speak, obviously, um, about veteran mental health um, on the blog uh, and on this podcast. Uh, but I've also presented at various different uh, locations, um, conferences and community uh, meetings about veteran mental health and the need for us to become culturally competent. And uh, the cultural competence comes from, first, the awareness that uh, veterans are a different culture. Um, by everything that defines a culture defines us. Uh, uh, we have a different way of thinking. We have uh, different norms. We have history. Uh, we have a different way of speaking. Uh, and so anybody that works with veterans uh, would need to understand that culture and, uh, and how that culture can be applied. So as I began talking about this cultural competence, I developed a conceptual framework that, uh, that really would help veterans to understand that uh, there's more than just PTSD and TBI to, uh, to veteran mental health, uh, to help their spouses, family members, parents, siblings, children uh, understand more about what veterans experience when it comes to veteran mental health. Uh, and then the, uh, those that support veterans, maybe you work in a nonprofit or maybe you're a, a mental health professional that you work with veterans and you need to understand what veterans are experiencing. And so that's the purpose of the conceptual framework that I presented, that I developed and presented, but also uh, the purpose of this series of podcasts is to help you understand what it is that veterans are experiencing when it comes to mental health. So I'm going to include uh, a picture of the uh, conceptual framework in, um, in our show notes, and you can find that on both VeteranMentalHealth.com and ChangeYourPOV.com. But uh, I want you to consider, uh, say, the pie or, or the entirety of um, Veteran Mental Health. And, and most people consider, like I said, PTSD uh, and uh, traumatic brain injury to be the major things. I've had um, other um, professionals come to me and ask me, you know, how many um, deployments do you have? Um, and I said, uh, you know, five overall in my career. And they said, well, of course you have PTSD. You have five deployments. Why wouldn't you have PTSD? Uh, and that's coming from other professionals in the, uh, in the community. Uh, and it's not necessarily like that. Um, not all deployments are made equal. Um, you know, those of you who served understand that. Uh, three of my deployments were not particularly traumatic at all. Um, they weren't challenging. I didn't get into a firefight. Um, you know, the separation was difficult, but there wasn't any trauma uh, that, uh, that one would consider. So this is an attempt to help you understand um, about PTSD and TBI uh, and the other aspects of veteran mental health. So first, I'm going to kind of walk through a little bit um, what, uh, what some of the challenges that veterans are dealing with. 
of course, the first thing that comes to mind is is sort of the the fear, the anxiety um, that uh, you know that veterans would experience when it comes to you know maybe crowds or um, or triggers uh, reminders of a traumatic event. Uh, and that is post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, you know, that is an injury of the behavior. It's much more complicated than that, but uh, a, a traumatic event occurred and then something else occurs later that reminds me of that traumatic event and I have a psychological, behavioral, cognitive, emotional reaction to uh, that to that trigger. Another thing, Again, uh, a very common is, is pain and physical injury. Uh, and when we're talking about mental health, we're talking about physical injury to the brain. And so that's what traumatic brain injury is. Uh, and as we go through, we'll talk a little bit about um, different aspects of, of what each of those are. But those aren't the only things when it comes to veteran mental health. Another aspect that uh, many people sort of realize once I, once I start talking about this is uh, substance abuse. Um, there is a certain culture about substance abuse, uh, in the, or substance use and, and maybe even not abuse, but, uh, drinking culture. Um, and these challenges can lead to, of course, DUIs, overdose, addiction, and things like that. So people say, okay, yep. You know, substance abuse, I understand, uh, that goes into veteran mental health. Next, you have uh, emotional dysregulation. And so a lot of people may think that uh, emotional dysregulation is part of PTSD. But there are things that can happen in the military that, uh, that have nothing to do with, uh, with PTSD that can still lead to depression, can still lead to anxiety, can still lead to a lack of ability to, um, to, to regulate our emotions. Uh, and, uh, and it's not always tied to a traumatic event like PTSD is. And so if you think of those four things, so PTSD, TBI, uh, substance abuse, and emotional dysregulation, uh, each of those are a diagnosable clinical mental health condition. You can go to a psychiatrist or you can go to a neurologist or a neuropsychologist, uh, and there is a label in a book that says, um, you know, you have this. Um, there is a diagnostic criteria, of course, for PTSD, for traumatic brain injury, for all manner of substance abuse, and then of course, depression, anxiety, and things like that. But that's only half of the story. In my experience in working with veterans and and being a veteran myself and and talking to many in the community, uh, there's some other challenges that veterans face. Uh, And one of the most significant ones is a, a lack of purpose and meaning. And that leads to a level of disengagement a lack of motivation, a lack of uh, interest in, in things in post-military life, maybe looking back on uh, the best years of my life, um, you know, the best years of my life are behind me and things like that. Uh, and so that is a challenge that many, and I would say more veterans experience than even uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and TBI. Another aspect that not many veterans are familiar with uh, that um, that's really emerged over the last 15 or 20 years um, is, uh, is the concept of moral injury. And this has to do with uh, the guilt, maybe the shame, maybe the way that our core beliefs about what is right and wrong with the world um, has changed uh, based off of our military service or based off of our deployments. Uh, so, and as I mentioned earlier, PTSD is an injury of the behavior. Traumatic brain injury is a physical injury of the brain. Moral injury is described or can be described as an injury of the soul. 
an injury of what I believe to be uh, right and wrong with the world. And that, of course, can lead to blame and self-condemnation. And as I'll talk about in that episode as it comes up, uh, that survivor's guilt is not explained by post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, you know, the, the shame, the guilt and the shame about our actions or about what we, were, what we saw or what we were unable to, to stop, um, that, doesn't, uh, that doesn't stop. Uh, that, that's not explained by post-traumatic stress disorder. And so moral injury is another significant challenge um, that many veterans face. Another aspect that I have witnessed, um, that I have seen with veterans, um, is a level of frustration uh, once they they leave the the service. Uh, think back to that story about Dwight, the the um, the challenges that he had getting a job. He was frustrated. Um, you know, yes, his his emotionality um, was was changed. His personality was changed. There was depression there, likely. Uh, but, uh, but frustration is, is due to a lack of being able to, to meet our needs, um, and, and not being able to fill our needs, not being able to, um, I guess, uh, you know, meet old needs in new ways, learning how to do that. Um, and then the last aspect, uh, of, uh, of veteran mental health that I, I want to talk about, and we're going to discuss is relationships. And so there can be challenges in relationships, and this can lead to problems such as divorce and domestic violence and, and disrupted families. And so if you have this wheel, right, this entire picture, the picture of the pie um, of all of these different uh, um, mental health conditions, um, then of course, uh, you have some of the challenges that keep veterans from addressing those things. Uh, and the first is, is really sort of an internal barrier to, to seeking treatment, and that's the internal stigma, what I think about veteran mental health, what my attitude towards veteran mental health is, um, you know, uh, the, the warrior ethos that I'm going to suck it up and drive on. Uh, and uh, it's not just psychological concerns, it's, uh, it's physical concerns. Um, I retired in 2014, but I injured myself on a jump in uh, 2012. Uh, and I was airborne. I was uh, serving with the 10th Special Forces Group at the time in their support element. And, uh, and I injured myself, and I had to jump twice more out of a perfectly good airplane uh, because I didn't, I didn't want to believe it. I didn't want to, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to admit it to myself. I didn't want to think that I couldn't do what I used to be able to do. Uh, and to be honest, injured myself more. And so there is this, there's a suck it up and drive on. Uh, attitude when it comes to um, to physical and, and to mental that many veterans, many service members uh, sort of feel from the inside. And then there's, of course, external barriers uh, to, to veterans receiving treatment. And things like stereotypes, and I've written about this before uh, on some of my blogs, the stereotypes of the veteran as a villain, you know, this uh, John Rambo or you know, this, uh, well, even looking at uh, people would look back at Dwight's story and point to that and say, well, well, of course, you know, he tried to, to rob a convenience store um, or uh, that uh, they were a victim, you know, that they're they're just some pro broken warrior that uh, needs to be saved and coddled and helped. And there were those aspects in, in part of Dwight's story as well, where people would come in and rescue him. Um, some of the bounce checks were were covered by people in the community because they just pitied him. Uh, and then third, there was, uh, there was just this, this stereotype of this vindicator, right? You know, this, um, this hero that, uh, 
that they're going to save our nation. And, uh, and while Dwight definitely does meet the criteria for that condition, um, there is uh, one part of his story in which he went into uh, mental health treatment. Uh, and then uh, uh, when he was there in the hospital for inpatient mental health treatment, uh, the directors of the hospital got him out, put him in his Class A uniform, and took him down to the American Legion and showed him off. Um, and, and Dwight said, you do that again, I'm leaving and I'm not coming back. Uh, but there's this aspect of, you know, look at this great hero, look at this, uh, this great, uh, um, you know, this great individual. And, and we're not those stereotypes, you know, we're, we can be each of those things, maybe at different times, but we're not any of them necessarily. Uh, another external barrier, peer judgment. There are barriers to care, societal judgment about um, PTSD, stigma, just against help seeking in general. And then there are situational and systematic causes for these kind of behaviors. So if you think about sort of this concept that we have, um, and these are all the challenges that veterans can face. I'm not saying all veterans experience these things. Um, but uh, the more of these things that, that a veteran experiences, the harder transition can get, leaving the military can get. Um, perhaps if, uh, if a veteran is uh, only dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder, which one can get not, from, not just from combat, but uh, natural disasters or vehicle accidents and things like that. If that's the only challenge, maybe, that a veteran is experiencing, then, okay, maybe transition's not going to be that bad. But then if it's compounded with substance abuse and perhaps traumatic brain injury uh, and things that occur that developed emotional dysregulation separate from PTSD and moral injury and the fact that I'm frustrated because I can't get my needs met and I don't feel like I have purpose and meaning and my relationships are falling apart, then it's much more challenging for that veteran to be able to have a successful transition. And that's where uh, mental health professionals come in. And, uh, and, and really, you know, if any messages, many messages, I think I want you to get throughout this, uh, uh, this series. But the, the first message and the main message is that mental health professionals have the ability and the skills to be able to help veterans with each of these individually and all of these collectively. There are mental health interventions that absolutely do work for post-traumatic stress disorder, things like cognitive behavioral therapy, prolonged exposure, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing called EMDR. These things will help if the only thing that a veteran is dealing with is post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, TBI, traumatic brain injury, neurological interventions, cognitive interventions, things like alpha stem, things like neurofeedback and biofeedback and things that would harness the brain's natural inclination uh, to heal itself. That if we know that it's traumatic brain injury, there's things we can do. We know that there are things with substance abuse that can actually support recovery from addictions, uh, motivational interviewing, relapse prevention. Uh, there are concepts that really help um, a veteran overcome uh, emotional dysregulation. Um, things like uh, Aaron Beck and, and Martin Seligman, uh, the concept of learned helplessness, the idea of, of we're being trapped and we can't get out and that leads to depression. Um, and so there's ways that, that mental health professionals can actually provide interventions uh, to support that. Uh, there's an entire uh, field of psychology called existential psychology that, uh, that can help veterans understand uh, purpose and meaning. 
uh, in, uh, in, in, you know, giants in that field, like, uh, Victor Frankel and Irvin Yalom and Rallo May, um, learning how to apply their concepts to veterans and, and the unique challenges of veteran mental health, uh, can, can definitely, uh, support, uh, the idea of moral injury. They're currently uh, developing interventions that address moral injury specifically separate from post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, there's uh, uh, the leaders in this field like Brett Litz and uh, Jonathan Shea and others have developed uh, interventions, uh, maybe along the lines of cognitive behavioral therapy, um, but, uh, but maybe something different, you know, old, uh, old techniques in new ways. But the cognitive behavioral therapy that we would address with moral injury is different than the cognitive behavioral therapy that we would apply to emotional dysregulation, which is yet different than that which we would apply to PTSD. Moving on to the needs fulfillment, the frustration, um, you know, one of the most well-known, especially in business and, and started out in psychology, uh, is uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh, and uh, in that episode, as we go through, we'll talk about how um, we were able to meet our needs on Maslow's hierarchy in one manner, which when we um, were in the military, and then we need to figure out how to meet those old needs in new ways once we leave the military. And until we do, we can kind of get frustrated. And then, of course, there's an entire uh, system of, of uh, mental health help um, in family systems, uh, relationship uh, counseling um, and and couples counseling and family dynamics. And so there, there are mental health professionals that have uh, training experience in family systems uh, that can really support a veteran to recover if that's the area that they're having a challenge in. So it's this conceptual framework that we're going to be following as we move through uh, this next series. There's one aspect of veteran mental health that isn't on this conceptual framework, uh, and that's uh, one of the biggest things that I've heard from readers, that I've heard from, from those who've listened to the podcast is, what about the meds? Uh, one of the reasons why veterans will avoid mental health counseling, um, among many of the reasons, is the fact that uh, they think the only thing is going to happen is that I go to the VA or I go to my doc and all they're going to do is throw meds at me and I'm going to turn out like a zombie. Some of that does happen. Uh, but uh, I'm going to have a discussion with someone who um, is, is in that field, who is a medication provider, uh, that's going to talk about um, how it could be or maybe how it should be or how it has the ability to be when it comes to medications and veteran mental So now that we've heard the story um, that sort of uh, gives uh, the reason, and for me is, is one of the, the real reasons um, that, uh, that I want to get this message out is so um, stories like Dwight's do not continue to happen and the people understand um, maybe the impact of, of military service and combat on all aspects of veteran mental health. Uh, and, and now that you've heard sort of the concept and, and how we've gone through, I'd like to introduce uh, sort of the shows that we have coming up. And so over the next two weeks, we're going to be releasing a series of shows and conversations that I've had with, uh, with individuals about each of these different areas, uh, some with veterans, some with mental health professionals, some with mental health professionals who are veterans, uh, and some with mental health professionals who are not. 
And so uh, coming up on uh, episode 26 of the Headspace and Timing podcast, a, uh, a former Marine, uh, David Smith, is going to be talking about uh, internal stigma. And David is not a mental health professional, but he's someone that has written extensively and spoken extensively about his own struggles about veteran mental health and, and suicide. And uh, we'll talk about some of the stigmas uh, that, uh, that a veteran has that keeps them from reaching out uh, to, for treatment. Uh, then uh, after that, in episode 27, I'm going to be meeting with a, a colleague and having a discussion about the external barriers, those barriers that I talked about, stereotypes and different types of barriers. Uh, and, uh, and that's Erin Fowler. Uh, she and I have worked together uh, on several different projects. She's with the uh, University of Colorado, Colorado Springs um, uh, Veteran Health and Trauma Clinic. And, uh, and she's going to talk from her standpoint uh, about some of the barriers that exist. And then in episode 28, we're actually going to uh, talk about uh, PTSD because that is an aspect that's part of this overall thing. And so what it is and what it isn't. Um, I'm going to be joined by uh, Dr. Mary Catherine McDonald and Dr. Ms. Marissa Brandt, uh, two uh, professors, uh, not mental health professionals, but these are professors that have uh, studied PTSD extensively and looked at it uh, over its course for over a century. And so uh, the three of us are going to have a conversation about post-traumatic stress disorder, um, talking about maybe the differences between PTS and PTSD and, and how it manifests itself. After that, in episode 29, uh, Dr. Blair Cano and I uh, will have a conversation about traumatic brain injury. Dr. Cano is a neuropsychologist and a Navy veteran, uh, and uh, she and I, again, have worked uh, in, in a couple of different ways with a couple of different projects. Uh, and Dr. Cano um, is, uh, is an expert and, and is experienced in treating uh, and supporting veterans with traumatic brain injury. After that, I'm going to have a conversation with uh, Dr. Stephen Kidd in episode 30. Uh, we're going to be talking about substance abuse. And Dr. Kidd uh, is a, a someone that, that I've worked with, I think, uh, most extensively and the longest out of all of my colleagues that I, I bring on the show. Uh, and I've known Dr. Kidd for about five years, uh, and he runs the substance, substance abuse treatment program here uh, at the Colorado Springs Community-Based Outreach Clinic. Uh, and uh, as I mentioned in that episode, uh, when I think of someone uh, that I wanted to talk about substance abuse and veteran mental health, I couldn't think of anyone but Dr. Kidd uh, because the level of his experience and the level of his commitment uh, to addressing these issues uh, is, is unsurpassed. Uh, after substance abuse and continuing on the uh, conceptualization, the, the piece of the pie that we were talking about, I'm going to have Dr. Katie Bars come on and talk about the emotional dysregulation and some of the challenges that veterans experience in, in emotional um, dysregulation uh, separate from post-traumatic stress disorder. Dr. Bars uh, is, again, a colleague. She and I have worked together uh, and, and communicated quite extensively. She's in Denver and I'm in Colorado Springs. Um, and and her background is uh, she worked at the Vet Center for the VA for a very long time. She is currently the uh, clinical director for the Sturm Center, um, a program uh, similar to mine uh, that supports veterans and their families in Denver uh, through Denver University. Uh, after that, uh, I'll have a conversation with Dr. Aaron Smith in episode 32. Uh, he and I are going to be talking about purpose and meaning. And Dr. Smith, uh, Aaron, 
uh, is a former Marine, um, uh, much like David Smith, but uh, in no relation to the two of them, by the way. Uh, but Aaron, uh, like me, left the military and got his clinical mental health counseling degree uh, and then went on to get his, um, his uh, Ph.D., uh, is currently an assistant professor with West, Western Washington University, but he's done his uh, extensive research and his dissertation and a lot of his ongoing research on existential psychology uh, and, and how uh, existential psychology can support post-traumatic growth and, uh, and purpose and meaning. Uh, after that, uh, I have a discussion with Dr. Joseph Courier in episode 33. And Dr. Courier is uh, one of the uh, leading professionals in the area of uh, moral injury, specifically with the assessment of moral injury and the development uh, of moral injury and how it can be treated in veterans. And, uh, and he and I will have a discussion about sort of how moral injury as a concept uh, um, plays out and, and even how it's diagnosed. Uh, after that, we're going to take a break from uh, the mental health professionals uh, and, and head back to uh, just a good old veteran and uh, my buddy, Eddie Lazary from the Change Your POV podcast network, uh, the guy that either has uh, all of the um, responsibility or blame of uh, bringing this little band of, uh, band of brothers together. But Eddie um, is going to talk about needs fulfillment and how Maslow's hierarchy of needs uh, can be seen to adapt. Uh, one of the reasons, uh, and, and Eddie and I talk about it, and I mention it in the, the podcast, is this is an area that's not very well researched or even focused on by mental health professionals. Um, I've written about it on the blog, but there's not a lot of, um, of, of peer-reviewed or, or research done uh, on how Maslow's hierarchy needs and needs fulfillment um, is, is found in the military. Uh, but Eddie, uh, talks about again, his own journey, uh, leaving the military, his own challenges and fulfilling his needs, how he developed, um, uh, the ability to meet his needs. And then a, a conceptualization that he created that sort of, that he calls the veterans hierarchy of needs. Uh, after that, we will be talking to, uh, Joshua Kramer in episode 35. Um, Joshua and I actually, uh, have uh, worked at a couple of different uh, uh, agencies together at the same time. And like me, he is an Army veteran, an Army combat veteran. Uh, but instead of uh, working with individuals as a clinical mental health counselor, as I do, uh, Josh is a licensed marriage and family therapist. And so Josh and I are going to be talking about family systems uh, and how things uh, are with, uh, w with relation to the families. And then we're going to wrap it up with a... Uh, uh, a discussion with uh, a, a retired Army uh, lieutenant colonel, former chief of behavioral health, and a board-certified psychiatrist, and my boss um, at my day job, so to speak, uh, Dr. Charles Weber. And Dr. Weber and I are going to talk about uh, how medications uh, can support and sometimes uh, get in the way of or you know, how it can be a part of uh, veteran mental health. And so through that whole series... Um, over the next uh, two weeks, as I said, we're going to be having conversations about each of these uh, aspects of veteran mental health. And then there at the end, um, we're going to wrap it up. And uh, I'm going to be joined by um, the other co-host of the uh, Headspace and Timing podcast flagship show, uh, Bennett Tanton. And uh, Bennett and I are going to have a conversation about uh, sort of this whole uh, series. Uh, Bennett's going to be joining you as uh, as you listen to this and work your way through. And then at the end, he and I are going to have a conversation 
about um, sort of uh, you know what his thoughts were, maybe some of the things that he picked up and and uh, and how he sees some of these play out in, in the work that he does with veterans. And so, all told, there's going to be 13 episodes. Uh, and there's going to be over 12 hours of content, uh, and um, you can literally spend a full day um, watching, listening to this, and, uh, and and really digging into this. Of course, uh, we don't expect you to do all that not at one sitting, uh, but uh, hey, if you have a, um, you know, this is going to be released over um, the Christmas holidays at the end of 2017, uh, and uh, and if you maybe have a a long road trip planned or um, you don't want to uh, or you got a, a long flight maybe um, that this might be something to throw in especially again if you're a veteran and you're concerned or, or considering how you can uh, better support your fellow veterans or even understand what you're going through if you're a military spouse for example um, or even if you're a mental health professional or other uh, support individual that helps veterans in a capacity um, that understanding more about veteran mental health can make it a lot easier uh, and, and, and make it better for both you and the veterans that you serve. So I appreciate you taking the time uh, to listen to this show, uh, this episode. Uh, I ask that uh, you go to veteranmentalhealth.com and uh, go to the uh, subscription page uh, and sign up for updates because we're going to be releasing this uh, every day. Um, through uh, the next two weeks, uh, and then it's all going to be collected in one location for you to, to check out. Uh, but if you sign up for updates on either changeyourpov.com or veteranmentalhealth.com, you'll be able to, um, to get these, uh, these episodes as they're released, one per day, um, over the next uh, two weeks. Uh, we also do ask that you go to the Change Your POV podcast network on uh, your podcast player of choice. Um, we're across many different platforms, of course, Google play, iTunes, Stitcher, um, pretty much anywhere that you listen to a podcast, we are there. Uh, and all you have to do is, uh, is Google or, or search in, in those, uh, players, uh, change your POV podcast. Uh, and then it'll come up, you hit subscribe, and then you will be notified of each of these, uh, episodes as they're released. Really love to hear your thoughts. Um, maybe hear your expectations. Um, maybe let me know what I've missed, uh, because uh, as Bennett and I are going to talk about at the end, there are going to be things that we don't talk about. There's going to be uh, symptoms uh, that we don't talk about. We're we're not going to talk extensively about veteran suicide. We're not going to talk about veteran homelessness. Um, a lot of these um, these shows uh, that uh, that we're going to talk about could be series in their own right in in the different aspects of that. So we'd love to hear what you uh, think about uh, the show, uh, the series, uh, and we'd love for you to join us. Uh, head over to our Facebook page, the Change Your POV Squad. Again, all you have to do is is uh, look up on Facebook, Change Your POV. Uh, and, uh, and you'll see our closed group and, uh, join that. And we'll be having a discussion in there about, uh, this series as well. I want to thank you for taking the time. Uh, I know that, uh, you could listen to a lot of different podcasts and, and you happen to be listening to this one right now. And, uh, and, and if you think that, uh, this is important, then, uh, we ask that you pass it along and, and shoot an email to somebody with a link and say, Hey, check this show out. 
um, this might be helpful for you. If you hear something in here that uh, you think may help a fellow veteran, then uh, then reach out and do so. Look forward to uh, talking to you tomorrow uh, about uh, about internal stigma with David Smith and continuing on with the conversation. And uh, and please, veterans, remember you're not alone. You never were alone when you're in the military, and you're lot not alone now. So you can reach out if some of these things are are are, are struggles for you. Reach out and contact somebody. You can get some help. Thanks. Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military, but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes.